No, I seem to have figured it out. It is September 25th, 2019, approximately five minutes before eight o'clock Central Standard Time. This is Oz the Sound Guy. I have GM here. We are discussing some of the behind the scenes questions from the recently wrapped up Shadowrun campaign. Uh, I've got a list of questions here. I had some more questions I was going to ask, and uh, I'll go ahead and blab a bit more while uh, GM's eating. So we went a silly number of episodes, I believe it was 87 episodes, uh, released weekly. So we went for, uh, as I'm looking at the metrics, we actually started in February of 2018. It is now September of 2019. So that's a lot of releases. Um, it's 87 actual play episodes, not including everything else. Correct. We we also had the without a net uh, first annual fin- uh, fantasy football league. We had special one off uh, silly ass games for holidays, Halloween and Christmas. Yes. And now that we are done with Shadowrun, we're actually starting into Call of Cthulhu. And then after that, we have some other special projects and games with other GMs that we'll be playing in, if I am not mistaken. Something like that. Yes. So, without further ado, let me pull up my list here. So, of course, this was a Shadowrun game. Uh, we use the Shadowrun 5th edition rule set. Is that correct? Yep. So, I noticed, and some of the uh, listeners also noticed, and the guy on the motorcycle outside has also noticed, that uh, there was not a lot of talk about mechanics in in the game. In fact, it was... Let's see here. Where did it go? Where did it go? Guy, motorcycle, turn the fucking bike off. There it is. Odd asked, uh, when you first started out before I came on the scene, uh, it was more of an actual play, and then it turned into an audio drama. Could you explain why that happened, and your thoughts on both styles, both the actual play and the audio drama? Oh, man. We talked about this briefly before we started, and we both agreed that it was your fault. That is 100% correct. Um, so I don't think it ever became an audio drama because an audio drama to me implies scripting and actors and um, structure. <laughs> this was always a game. It It's just that... Um, I took a lot of the mechanical stuff out for various reasons. One of which is I wanted it to be approachable. Um, I listened to a bunch of audio or not audio drums. I listened to a few audio drums. I listened to a bunch of actual plays and sometimes you're sitting there listening to them and they're like, Oh, well roll to attack. I'm like, okay, cool. And it's like, all right, I got this many agilities, this many dice. Um, I get plus two from this, and then somebody will chime in with like, oh, I'm flanking, so you get advantage. And then somebody will be like, oh, well, you're blinded. And there's just like that one attack, instead of being snappy and coming out, all of a sudden takes two to three minutes per per attack. And there's a lot of different things to be discussed, especially in Shadowrun, where um, different mechanics are going to come up all the time. There'll be teamwork tests, there'll be light and vision modifiers and all of that stuff. 
the other side of it is I wanted um, uh, I do things differently than many other GMs probably. For example, I never stopped penalize my players for what I consider dumb negative dice pull modifiers unless I'm trying to build tension in a scene. So when you go to shoot somebody, just go ahead and roll your your shooting dice pool. You can mm. look at your sheet, you've rolled it a million times, you know what it is. Instead of saying, hold up, wait a minute, it's dark out. Do you have thermographic or low light vision? Because I can look at my sheets for my characters, with the exception of Richard, everybody had a racial benefit of low light vision or thermographic. Okay. The, um, everybody has a smart gun because smart guns are very common and a lot of guns just have it as a default option. And if they don't, they're like 200 bucks to get a little external one or a little bit more to get a built in one. So instead of going, oh, you're going to shoot, okay, you get negative three from light and negative three from wind and stuff, and you're going, oh, I have thermographic vision, and oh, I have a smart gun, I just assume that you have those things, and instead of stopping and penalizing you, I will go to my guy who's like a reaction three, intuition three guy who normally would have six dice to defend, and I give him nine dice to defend. Okay. I know that mathematically and statistically, taking one dice from you is not the same as giving one dice to me, but I don't care because it's way faster. Speed is good, especially in a complicated system like Shadowrun 5th Edition. Yeah, there's other small things along the way, like um, I know that I'm not going to get every rule correct because it's just simply I'm not perfect. Mm Mm-hmm. I know that uh, listening to people calculate out how many hits they got for a hack is going to be really boring because then you got a hack, they got to search, they got to enter those. They get, all of these steps to hacking is just like, let's just take all of that out and trim it down and move forward from there. Um, this is probably going to come up a bunch throughout a lot of these questions, but when we sat down to do this and Mary C finally twisted my arm into doing it, I was going to make, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to make the show that I would listen to. Right. And a lot of times some shows leave in a bunch of mechanics and mechanical discussion about, okay, what are you trying to do? Oh, is that a perception test? Is that electronic warfare for sensors? Is that a judge intentions or some kind of knowledge? It's just the, the three minute debate per dice roll completely unnecessary but if you wish to listen to it there is the patreon which we have all the raw episodes with all of that stuff in there for those of you that like it okay so then what uh do you think that certain systems actually lend themselves well to actual plays i realized that i only half answered that question because i I know you and then moved on to the mechanic stuff which is Uh, fine let me go back to clarify what i mean by when i blame oz Okay. So when we started the it got one audio editing pass. And I might miss a thing here or there. I might decide to leave something in and not um like if I take two two bits of somebody talking, I may take some stuff out in the middle where they were like, "All right, let me get my thing and then delete that so that it sh- shortens down and then the words might not flow naturally from one sentence to the other because I didn't go back and check it or I missed it or any number of things. 
when the barbecue episode happened and Oz was willing to take on the the sound effects and additional passes, it had more than doubled the amount of editing time that the end result got. So it got a it got a pass from me where I took out large sections of silence, I took out clickety clack keyboards, I took out or fixed people talking over each other or a lot of the that you'll hear sometimes from that you're hearing right now as I talk and you'll I'll stop for breath for a moment every once in a while. Um so then I would take it and I give it to Oz and then he would do stuff and I'm sure some of those things that I left in by accident he would pick up and just delete out. I find it impossible to believe that he did 40 episodes and didn't delete anything. That That is correct. It is impossible. And then I think one of the things that really sets audio dramas apart is that they don't, um, they, they always have something important going on with the sound, not just like the talking and the, the words of the people, but the background. There's always some kind of music or there's some, uh, footsteps underneath or gunshots or sometimes the absence of sound suddenly draws your attention because this thing that you're hearing in the background is no longer there. And then it's like, wait, what's going on? Um, so I think it's not, it's not my fault, but the adding of additional set of eyes and well, ears and the extra effort being put in, I think, took it from just being an actual play and pushing it up to where it sounds more like an audio drama. Um, so you're basically calling this a hybrid between an actual play. It's, it's a dramatic actual play. Uh, I guess that's another thing I could also blame it on. Um, in the beginning, we had an idea of where the story was going to go. We didn't know how it was going to get there. So we're playing, and then the longer it goes on when we start to... St- get more comfortable with each other and with our characters and where the story's going. And we talk about different things, um, stuff like the team in fighting, the, uh, <laughs> the mentor spirit stuff with Boz. Like I went and I grabbed two other people because and I'm sure I've said this before. Watching me have a puppet show is not interesting, right? Like I can sit here right. and argue, try and argue with myself as two different uh, mentor spirit NPCs to try and convince Boz to do it. But that doesn't get us anywhere because it's, it's still just me interacting with one player where if I, and I told Wolf and Dog, I was like, look, here's the idea of how I have to introduce the two of you and to set the scene and the stage. And after that, do whatever you want. You're super powerful, magical creatures. You have control over the landscape because it's not really going to be real. You know who Boz is. You know who each other are. Like, work it out. And whatever Boz decides, that's it. Um, and then I did the same thing when I brought in Howard because having me there as the NPC, well, it's weird for me to... I wouldn't have been as active as Grift was because... You don't want the NPC to solve the run for you because clearly he knows more because he's in my head. Whereas bringing Grift in is like, yo, here's a real person playing this character. He doesn't know any more than you do. You know, he's going to um, have his own experience. And he knew coming into it that he was probably going to end up dead in a ditch somewhere. But in a in a normal actual play, you don't... I don't think I've listened to any that have brought in other people 
for any reason other than just like a hey, here's a guest player person, yay, fun. That actually had like super impactful aspects of the story. Right. Okay. So I think that's all I got this time. I'm just gonna get another bite of my food here. There you go. All right. So I will uh disagree a bit about the audio drama. I mean, I get it that you know this this was an actual play. This this was a team a team of people. You had a general outline and then you barely followed any of it, which was awesome. I think that once I came on the scene and I'm going to step back and be my humble self, everybody started acting in a much more dramatic manner once they knew that somebody was doing that second pass and was able to add extra pizzazz to the actions that they were doing. I noticed that, you know, when you're giving me the recording so I can do my pass on it, you guys are saying, oh, hey, can you put this here? And and they're describing in detail the stuff that they're doing, like when Howard got his brains ventilated. I mean, that was evocative. And so adding the sound to that, it was very dramatic. It was It was a dramatic actual play. I see what you uh what you mentioned there. That's <laughs> It was a lot of moving parts that I don't think we can really point to a singular thing, but we can all point to kind of a singular moment and it was right around that barbecue episode timeline where it's like, "Hey, this is going to get more effort put in on the on the production side." And then Maybe they did it intentionally. Maybe they did it subconsciously. Maybe we're all hallucinating. That could be. So I guess uh, did uh, did talking with the listeners of of the podcast influence the story at all? Um, I don't think I can give an honest answer to that because I had very little influence over where the story was going. Mm, so that would be a question I would ask the. The players, so to speak. Yeah. Um, I do recall, I don't remember the specifics, but I do recall at least one or two times somebody said something in one of the, uh, one of the non-cast said something in the Discord that I was like, oh, that's a good idea. And I stole it. I don't remember what it was because this was maybe a year ago now, but I remember that somebody said something like, oh, that's a good idea. I don't remember if it was something that like had been recorded at that point that uh, was something that was coming up in the backlog or if it was something that I was like, no, I'm just going to steal this for the future. Okay. All right. So we've, we've done a bit of the overarching stuff here. Let's uh, let's get a little bit more specific about mechanics. So you had essentially six players across this whole thing, I guess maybe six and a half if we count grift. So how much of their character sheets, like how much karma did they get from the start of the podcast, not the prequels, but the actual first episode from, from the first gunshot to the last gunshot? What was, what was the payout? So that's a curious question that I don't have an exact answer to. So I'm what I told you, you should have studied. So here's what I do have. I have their character sheets, right? I'm looking at their character sheets that they have. Um, let me let me clarify that on the roll twenty page, there is a, like a just a forum post for them to put a link to a Google Drive of their character sheets, so that 
they're there for easy access. With the idea being that when they update their sheet and they save over the previous place they had the PDF, that Google Drive will automatically update it and it'll be there for uh, consistent use. As I look here, I will see that this most recent one uh, from one player that I won't dime out was last updated. They have a bunch of links of their the different character sheets. Um, last updated September 21st, 2018. Oh, Jesus Christ. At that point, they had spent 73 of 86 karma. Uh, at that point, we had been playing for about a year. Every other week. So, um, I don't know what that breaks down to per session. It's 26 sessions. Uh, three it's, to four? Yeah, it's basically four karma a session. Now, there is some other things in there. Um, in the beginning, part of the story was going to include the fact that they were at this corporation, and obviously they would have at least corporate limited sins. As the story we were telling is about these people being thrown into the shadows, and as a result, they're going to end up having to burn their sins, I did not make them take the negative sin quality. Right. So that's another 30-ish karma. Technically, they should have had. Um, looking at some of the other character sheets that I have here in front of me, which are, um, which are obviously not current. Obviously. Uh, because this person has 33 career karma. This person has zero. This person has 30. This person has... Where's that? 24. And this person has 86. Or I guess that obviously is... Uh, yeah. All right. Percent. So I, I want to say by the time we got to the end, I'd probably give them about 150. Um, okay. I do also, in Mary Sue's case, since I sprung the Drake thing on her, I did not charge her the double cost that it was, the 150 or whatever insane amount of karma that would have cost. Because uh, I'm a bad person, and if she couldn't, if she had to buy it off, she wouldn't have done stuff with it. And I wanted to make her life miserable as per her request. And you did accomplish that. Man, that's just I. I love players. Players are great. They keep their their sheets updated. They know everything that's going on. It's it's amazing. Uh, how about how about uh cash payouts? Well, this is probably going to be still a shitty question, but um, I have even less of a reliable answer for that one because people have actually spent their cash. Sure. Um, well, I mean, you can. How many how many runs, actual runs, did they do in two years? Um was the bike job, the auction job, the train job, the uh tactical imperium job, the the bug job. Is that it? Um what about the um the the grift job? Uh yeah, no, okay, so six? Six jobs, yeah. Six jobs in uh, a year and a half, technically. Because then there was also the um, the one prologue job where they had to get the animals, the repossession job, and the uh, 
the investigate themselves get Michael out slash job. So theoretically, eight jobs in 18 months, which leaves about about well, that two, been, two months and change for a job. That would have been 18 over two years because the prologue stuff was since September. Okay, so yeah, you're you're basically saying it it is a, about a, a three recordings to finish a job, but I mean, all told, eight jobs. You should remember some of these payouts. I mean, you would think that, but I don't. Did, um, did you not also say that you were going to write these jobs out for people at a future date, a near future yeah. date? Uh, in a slow sequential process, yes. And the first one didn't involve paying them any new yen, so I'm fine. Okay, well, that one's easy. Um, and besides, it's saved for posterity forever. Mm-hmm. And I think I can get Mary Sue's Hero Lab thing, which will have the journal updated. I just don't think the PDF that she uploaded got updated. Right. Um, I know that a couple of times I gave them like 30,000 new yen. I had a epiphany during the course of this campaign. Um, it was when Mary Sue strong-armed Morgana into getting more money. One of my favorite moments. Yeah, because I wasn't expecting it. And it was like, what do you, wait, what? And then Morgana obviously wasn't expecting it because who expects these nobodies to just like, oh, you said get you at least two. I got you two. What about this third one? And it's like, this bitch. Um, money doesn't mean anything to me. I have infinite amounts of union that I can give out at any point in time, right? Right. My bad guys have probably as much money as they'll need to do whatever it is they need to do. But what I do get for my money is um, story hooks. And giving them that interaction for that extra 20,000 new yen was very much worth it because it set a standard for their relationship. I also think that was the seminal moment where Mary Sue and Morgana had that antagonistic relationship. I think that's that was that was the moment that Mary Sue was was like, I'm going to kill this bitch later. You would have to ask her that when that moment came along. I um, I did. She didn't remember. She didn't remember why she hated Morgana. And then I remembered the auction job, but I didn't actually tell her about that. So when she listens to this, she'll probably message she's me. Like, oh, yeah. listen. Well, they all said that they were going to listen now that it's done. Uh-huh. I believe them. I trust the players. Um, I know that Mary Sue's player has said on at least one occasion that she hates how I play female NPCs. Well, so. yeah, she said that in recording. So I think that that was player slipping through into character and uh, the player hating her based purely upon me, not anything that Morgana actually did against Mary Sue, because let's face it, she didn't do anything to her. It's completely innocent. Uh-huh. Right. Because no, every fixer in Seattle is that altruistic towards a bunch of nobodies. Well, see, probably not. But when you uh, when you come in big dick swinging about you're going to give me extra money for this third one, it makes you interesting, right? So later on, when uh, she meets Chuck and finds out about Chuck, 
And then Chucky goes over after they've left, and she's like, all right, I'm going to get back at her. I'm going to be like, oh, here you go, give it this, and buy something nice for for Mary Sue. It's like, eh, eh, eh. Um, and it just opens up that relationship of sniping at each other, which she took a little bit of uh, enjoyment in, but I I'm not saying she was a completely nice person. She wasn't. Half the reason she gave Michael's... Uh, Michael's sister's a job is for blackmail slash leverage. You know, she's not dumb. She knows that if Michael ever wanted to do anything, she's like, well, guess what? Your sister is at work right now and you're nowhere near. And all I got to do is make a phone call and she ends up with a black bag on her head. And we never got to follow up on that either. Wow. I mean, everything kind of tumbled uh, towards that quick ending anyway, so... Let's see, let's see, let's see, let's see. Omnicolor asks, how did you feel about fake dating Mary Sue's fake persona? Oh, man. So I felt dirty. <laughs> um, we had talked when I was, uh, I asked all the players for a short-term character goal, a long-term character goal, and a player goal. And one of Mary Sue's uh, player goals was to make Mary Sue's life miserable. We talked about some ideas about how this might happen. Um, she had the idea that she needs to get in with some other organization and have that fall apart. I brought up the idea. I was like, oh, well, maybe um, maybe some new boyfriend. Like, what do you think about that? And she's like, yeah, that could work. And then something happens to him. And I'm like, yeah. Um and then from there, the idea of her getting involved with Valentine came up because it's like, oh, we got to get the bad boy. It's like, that's fine. Uh, <clears throat> so I had to make the relationship really sweet and perfect and vomit inducing so that I could kill him. That's which fair. Ironic, which is ironic because I didn't kill him. Um, no, no, you did not. Didn't even put the idea in her head. I would never. Um, so it was a little weird cause it's like, all right, I need to make this relationship look good and like a healthy relationship, not abusive, not, uh, not getting her to do things like drugs or whatever. And, um, at the same time, there's just a, a noose around this guy's neck. I just got to find the right time and the right way to, to get him dead. Sorry, Mary Sue actually sent me her her uh, character sheet. So I see a oh the updated one. Uh, I mean, it still has Valentine on it. So in memoriam, possibly. I see uh, 113 total karma. I did allow them to change money for karma. So I don't remember if she dumped some for money or not, but that was uh. That was on the table. That it was, that it was, and yeah, it doesn't uh, didn't say what the total cash spend was because the journal isn't here. But uh, the game ended with a decent amount of cash, enough for basically uh, quite a, quite a bit of of medium lifestyle. We'll say interesting. All right. Oh, and the poor file. Awesome. I'll open that one too later. All right, let's go back to my list here. So, 
Zakura had a huge list of questions, and I keep on going with some of the mechanical stuff here. Um, what was the biggest story hook that they did not bite on? Zakara asks. Um, I don't know if I have a good answer for this off the top of my head. I should have been thinking about this when he dropped a giant pile of questions. Um, I would say, I would say t- two things. One, the the data lock that was in Howard's head, they never did anything with. They kind of right. were like hey, this probably has information on who screwed us over, and it would have, but they just never... Because um, we got together several times after it came up, but it just never... Nobody seemed to care about it because there were bigger things going on. The other thing is Scrapper. They never got deep into what his story was, and he was the only other like real big NPC that... Uh, was around okay sorry battery just came up with a a last minute question uh that kind of plays into the the story hook bit i think uh how much planning did the players do out of character and how much of this was just done on the spot um that is a good question that i don't have a good answer for because I'm not going to have a good answer for many of these questions. Um, I think most of it was in character. There was some... uh, So in the Discord under the cast section, I have a couple of channels set up. One is a show stuff, where we can talk about scheduling or really whatever related to the show. Then I have another one that says that's called Next Time On. And the goal there is if... Uh, for whatever the next recording session is going to be, this way we have all of the stuff more recent so that it's not buried under other texts and discords where it's like, oh, we just completed this, 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 and this. Or next time we want to make sure we do this, 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 and this. Or, hey guys, I have ideas for next time about XYZ. There was a little bit of clarifications from me in between sessions in those channels, but most of the rest of it, you guys all heard. There was some stuff that if they um, they were doing some planning involving an a, a, a method that going further down legwork they decided wasn't a thing, I think I tried to cut all of those out so that it seemed like they were more on task. Because again, if you're listening to this, you don't want to listen to them ask all of these questions about going in the skylight because every building in Gotham City as a skylight because it's all done by buildings that Wayne Enterprises owns. Like, And then for them to not go in through the skylight. Right. So I think in those situations, I tried to cut all of it. Um, but I think everything that was done in character was left in. Um, at least between the different players. Obviously stuff with me is not necessarily done in character, but um, right. most of it? Okay. With a with a shaky question mark on the end, that's fair. So building off of that a bit, then um, there was you know stuff was planned, stuff wasn't planned, stuff was in character. Um, is there anything you regret story wise uh, that happened or didn't happen during this campaign? I don't think so. Um, 
I've made mention that this isn't really my story. This is a lot that the players had control of. Okay. Um, so I was really just here to manipulate certain things and push things along in certain directions. And uh, I said it in the other recording that I really should release. Um, I like to GM via chemistry and put two catalytic or yeah two elements together and see what happens. So when um, when RC asks me if I want to play a racist southern lady as his mama, I was like, yeah, this would be hilarious because you're the only human on the team. Um, and then we started doing some stuff with her health getting bad, and it was going to get worse, but we had some out-of-game stuff come up where I uh, curved that into her just uh, getting out of it. So it was like, all right, well, she's worried about uh, her boy, so tries to set him up on a blind date. I think that would have been hilarious to go on. I have no idea what uh, what she would have been like. I have no idea how well it would have gone, but that would have been fun. There were a couple other things. Um, when Howard was around, I talked to Chuck's wife because I had this idea that Howard would take Chuck out to a club one night while he was alive and they would meet these girls there. And Chuck has a handful of uh, creative oriented skills on his sheet. In addition to the baking stuff that he did, like he's got some theater stuff. He's got some, uh, what I want. he's got some ranks in artisan, that kind of thing, acting, etc. That of the two girls that, they met, one of them would be played by Chuck's wife to, uh, that would then take an interest in him. And the thing that they would find out about later on is that that character would have been a muse. Um, it's a type of shadow spirit that inspires creativity. So here he is just having this fight with, not fight, but having this discussion with Mary Sue where it's like, shit ain't gonna happen here. And then he goes out with Chuck and gets involved with a shadow spirit. That would have been fun. And sadly, it just never uh, had anything happen with it. Um, on a similar note, Mary Sue was talking to me about ideas with Morgana and had the idea that maybe she would go back to Senor Watson, another character that she apparently hated, and try to get as technology's help against the dragon. And I had somebody else that I talked to about, hey, cough, sorry. Hey, do you want to play a blood mage that interviews somebody that you find out is a drake that wants to come work with as technology for a thing? Uh, sadly, that turned out the way that it did, and that option, that opportunity never arose. Um. And then some stuff with Valerie, which we'll get onto because I know there was a dedicated Valerie question coming up. Uh, there, there are a couple. Yes, um, I'm not quite done with this though. I know we just talked about uh, game-based regrets, of which you have few, uh, as you said. You are a facilitator. What about uh, out of game, but still related to the podcast? What if? What regrets, if any? Oh man. Um, when we got started and we're picking up uh, 
figuring out who the cast was going to be, I had hurt a lot of feelings of friends. I don't really know if there was a way to have avoided that. And there's nothing I can really say furthermore than just continuing to apologize about it. But that was kind of a shitty situation. Um, I would have loved to have had uh, music and additional editing support from the beginning. That would be amazing. Um, I don't think there's anything specifically else. Um, having some kind of idea on how to do audio editing beforehand would have been nice. But that's <laughs> all right. Right? Because I could have... I have a YouTube channel with a whole bunch of recordings on there. I could have ripped any one of them down, and I could have started messing with it before the podcast got started. But I didn't. Instead, I started with where we started with. Um, I... Hmm. I intend... So, as many of you know, I go by BAMPS online, and as many of you probably know, I have a very split reputation in certain circles. I intentionally, when we started this, downplayed who I was because I wanted the show to stand on its own merits because it's something that we're all doing. It's not the BAMS Variety Hour. It's the, the Without on That podcast. Um, I'd be curious if alternate version, uh, alternate reality, Earth if I did do that, I'm curious as to how different that would have been in the beginning. Because while I may be known in certain circles, I'm not known in a whole lot more. So that would be a curiosity that will never be answered. True. Um, I think that's about it. All right. All right. Uh, to anybody listening to this, we've kind of glossed over that first part. I uh, know that BAMPS has uh, talked about it a bit before. And if you really want to know the details, too fucking bad. No. Hit me up on the Discord later. Uh, it's been long enough. I've gotten over it. I am one of those people. And so I can give you the full unredacted and neutral story. Uh Seraph, if you're listening, and I know you are, you you, you know the story too. Anyway, <clears throat> uh, and yes, it was a difficult thing, and I think uh, I don't know how that could have been. It's not. It was a really yeah. shitty situation, and there is no way that it could have gone well. So right. I made decisions that played out in the way that they played out. And um, looking back on it, it it is for the better that it happened the way it did. Because as both you and I know, and I said, talk to me later about this, but no, fuck it, we're doing it now. If we had done as we always do, this podcast would not have taken off at all. You know it, I know it. It would have crashed and burned because we had too many bad things going on with each other. And it's not like bad as, you know, I want to fucking kill you. It's just we weren't set up to do podcasting. It's, it's been that way ever since Gamers Tavern. We tried three, four times. Four times. And shit would just come up and interfere. Every time. But this this actually worked. And I think if I was to ask you the question, I think I already know the answer, so I'll ask it anyway. 
is that where your consistency comes from in releases and in recordings? My consistency, I believe, comes from the fact that, again, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it in the way that it will be a show that I would listen to. So that's why I cheated a lot. Cheated? Um, There are a lot of shows out there that will do uh, the release three or four episodes, and then just something will come up where, oh, Steve couldn't make it, so they don't record, they don't have a release that week. Oh, shit, somebody's out of town, they don't record, they don't release that week. And sure, they might say something on social media or Twitter or Facebook. I personally hate those things because they're dumb. So went into it with the idea that before we spend any money, we're going to play for a while and make sure that the product that we are putting out is interesting. So I had a couple of people that when we recorded originally on just OBS, I would upload it to my YouTube channel on a private unlisted uh, playlist that I would give it to certain people to listen to, to be like, Hey, does this suck? Cause if they came back to me and they said it sucked, this would never have seen the light of day. Um, I wanted to make sure that people were into their characters, that people could consistently show up, that people were interested in where things were going and that it didn't suck. And that if things went wrong, we had a whole bunch of backups that we could um, that we could make use of. So for like six months, we recorded stuff, and it's now up as the prologue, like 15 hours worth of stuff. Um, when we finally released, we had six weeks of releases that were kind of ready to go. So if somebody couldn't make a session we still had six weeks worth of backlog that we could make up for we ended up using a lot of it because uh just about all of it actually by the time we got to the end because things like gen con happened i had a family vacation uh mary sue had to move um i think rc got married in that timeline yes he did um there were a lot of little things here and there that came up that ate into that backlog. And every once in a while, we'd be like, hey, let's get an extra recording in so that we can stretch that back out. And sometimes we would have things like um, the solo session downtime things that instead of just on the every two weeks when we record, me and that player would sit down and it would push that back out. Um, so that's that was a big part of it that we're going to we're going to make sure this works before we do anything. Cause I, let's, I didn't want to drop a hundred bucks on a year's worth of, uh, pod bean time and then have it peter out. Cause I'd be like, fuck, I just destroyed a hundred dollars. Right. That's like two PlayStation games. Uh, it's a lot of things. Yeah. <laughs> two and a half tanks of gas. Jesus Christ. Um, so I think that was a big part of it in that, like when we when we went get, oh it was like here's the here's the plans um and then there were some other plans along the lines it's like 
again, it's the show that I would listen to, which means I'm not going to stop it in the middle and roll ads because it's super fucking annoying. You know, you're in this some interesting part of the story and all of a sudden, hey, you want to know about Audible? I'm not going to do it. The closest thing I would ever get is an end credits type, like before the outtakes and before that stuff. I don't know what exactly technically counts as a mid-roll or how far from before beginning or end it has to be for a mid-roll. And if somebody wants to be like, yo, as long as it's more than 10 minutes before the end, we'll give you money. I'd be like, all right, cool. I'll make sure I find 10 minutes of outtakes. Um, when we started doing the Fantasy Football League, I downloaded a couple of Fantasy Football podcasts. I listened to the one, and there were like three different times it stopped to tell me about some product. And I'm like, do not care. Shut the fuck up. Tell me who to pick. I don't longer listen to those podcasts. All right. Um, do you feel like I sufficiently answered that question? For the yeah, question? I, th- I think he murdered the fuck out of that. That was awesome. Uh, that's also feeding back into it is why I waited two or three months before releasing the Patreon. Because I don't want to put out a thing, put out one or two episodes and be like, give me money. I want you guys to feel like you're actually getting something out of it and become invested. And that's why I only mention it very rarely. And at the end of the episodes, when it doesn't, uh, you guys hear that end uh, legal shit start to speak. And you probably just hit that plus 15 seconds and run out the episode because that's what I do. You know, what's funny is that most of them don't. They'll they'll go through and they'll run through the whole thing. I mean, people actually listen to people talk about the legal bullshit? Yeah, because they also know that at the very end, I will say something else, and I might fuck with your episode, because I did it a couple times. You motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) You know that I never listen to them after the fact. It's my one weakness. I know. That's why we did the uh, the Call of Duty teaser special when you sent me the episode, and we had... uh, just the one I track. I don't know what happened to that one. I think I do know what happened to that one. I the think only, that the only thing I think that could happen is if I had all of the tracks open in Audacity and I only had the one selected when I hit export and only exported that one. So when when I do export, I don't have anything selected and it exports everything. It it, it mixes everything that's on there. But if you have any of them muted, it leaves it alone. So if you had one on solo, that's the one that's going to get exported or mixed, as the case may be. I can't think that far back as to whether or not I would have done it. I do occasionally make tracks when I'm trying to uh, sort of want. when like two people talk over each other. I'm like, we'll mute one to listen to it to see, OK, do I need to move this one forward or do I move, need to move this section back or just to kind of figure it out but i don't remember muting like four other tracks well if you hit solo in audacity it automatically mutes everything else because i've i've done that a couple times i've had to go back and re-export something because i realized that i muted the entire background track and then when i do my listen before i upload it i catch it so it's a thing that happens but we digress so you said the magic name let's go ahead and go into it so what traditions, what magical traditions did Michael, Morgana, and Val have, if Val had one? 
Val did not have one because at the time she <clears throat> I want to say that it was actually a conscious choice to not become an adept or a magician when she became infected. Um, I think she said something along the lines of always playing magical characters and wanting to not. Uh, I'm sure I've talked about how the idea of her becoming a vampire came up as a joke. Um, so she never had anything along those lines. Michael, I believe, is just Hermetic. Let me see if it's got it on his sheet here. Yeah, he's just Hermetic. Nice, boring, easy. Um, man, what... what I don't know what Morgana's tradition would have been. It would have clearly been a charisma-based tradition. She is probably just a shaman or maybe a black mage. That's the out-for-yourself asshole mage, right? Uh, black magic is, yes. Yeah. One of those two. Um, she was almost assuredly a raven mentor spirit uh, because she felt the need to mess with everybody because that's what she do. Uh, and she had the the Raven ally spirit, um, and that was a Drake. So she right. technically could have been Draconic magic. I I don't know. Um, I'd never get that in depth on things unless it's something that like, you know, you go up to a magic shop and you see uh, voodoo iconography or little squares of raw elements. Is it like? that it fits with the scene, but it never really came up for her. All right. So you've uh, talked about you had short-term, long-term player goals. Uh, we talked a little bit about Mary Sue's. And Val's name keeps coming up because she was there early. She burned out quick like a shooting star. So do you remember what her short-term and long-term and player goal was? Valerie's? Yes. Uh, I can do you better than that. Fantastic. I have... I need to find out where it's located, but I still have the document that they... uh, So while you're looking for that, what were you going to subject her to had she not left the show? So one of the things that I was really looking forward to doing, she was paraplegic, and then vampire thing happened well she was still a paraplegic so she we had talked briefly about her having to train essence and what that means and how she wants to go about trying to figure that out so at some point when she was needing to drain essence like on the this euro you have a month until you fucking turn to dust um her legs were going to give out on her because the virus was no longer able to sustain the the patchwork job that it was doing, holding her legs together. You know, they were going to find some dramatic moment, and they were just going to give out. And then, you know, some stuff would happen, and she would be able to, to walk again as, you know. But it's kind of like, uh, I'm trying to think of a good example. I guess like when your foot's asleep, and you take that first step, and it's like, oh, shit. Kind of like that, only both legs at the same time. Um, there was going to be some attention from Evo because a Evo executive was murdered, and he was a vampire. And it just so happens to be that they might find out that one of the people that worked there that no longer exists is also a vampire. 
So they were going to be like, yo, what do you know about the death of this executive? Which I'm sure wouldn't be awkward at all. No, not at all. Uh, there would have been more with Dr. Good, obviously, which just he's just wonderful. He's a nice, helpful person. As all your NPCs are. Uh, I fully enjoyed being super creepy with him. I think that's really it. She didn't have any family to super fuck with. Um, God forbid. Uh, she had that... I don't remember his name, but she had that friend that she played online games with that was eventually going to come to Seattle and attempt to meet up with her. Because, As they do. Because they do. And that was going to put her in an awkward situation because, you know, I can't go out during the day. So this is weird. All right. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm looking at the sheet that you sent me. I see short-term goals, vampire stuff, vampire stuff, uh, cop contacts, uh, long-term. Uh, there's a lot of vampire stuff here. Um, I... So this this it came up as a joke, and she kind of built on that. I see. So, how early on did that come up as a joke, or did it hit right when you did that run? So in the prologue, um, they find out that the test subject that they have that they're doing stuff with was a vampire, and it was after that, or. I don't think it was called on recording. I think it was something that we talked about in the Discord chat. It was like, oh, hey, you know, just saying, vampirism probably cure your, cure your paraplegic this. And then they got some laughs, and then uh, we talked about it a little bit more, and she was into it. She even bought little plastic fangs, which you can uh, you can hear if you're looking for it. When she talks in character, she pops in these plastic fangs give her a little bit of a lisp which is hilarious and wonderful all right let's see i think we're we're getting close on time so i guess i'm gonna go go ahead and i'll just throw Lightning around yes yeah, so i, I kind of what i'm thinking all right so uh if you had to make everyone switch character sheets who do you think would do the best with another role oh man um of the five of them i would put it on chuck because Chuck runs a bunch of games. Um, so I think he could do it. He was also the person that had to come up with a character to fit in with the group. Um, a close second would probably be Mary Sue. All right. Which run was your favorite? The bug run. Absolutely. I was, I was really hoping... I was hoping they would go to infiltrate it Preferably with Mary Sue just doing a social thing and it would get fucked up because clearly it's going to get fucked up because you go in and all of a sudden, oh shit, you find out that there's bugs. Then I wanted them to capture her and turn her into a bug and release her back to her friends. How come, how come you didn't try to kill the players more? I had a conversation with this, uh, in the tactical Imperium job when they went down into the basement and the three of them were hitting in that room where one of the players was like, I think we could have taken him. I'm like, I, I don't know necessarily know. It came down to an edge roll where I had enough thoughts in my head. Like, alerts were triggered on that second floor. The security guys didn't see anything from the cameras on the third floor, and stuff was mess being messed with on second floor and higher. So when that 
response or not necessarily the response team, but when those security guys were coming down to clear the rooms, got to the second floor and were looking around, they know that the third floor is a generator and some super locked door that nobody was messing with. And this drone was missing. And then Chuck was setting up stuff elsewhere. So it's like, all right, do we split our, our security group and go down or do we go, uh, do we split it and go a little bit down, a little bit up? What are what could possibly go wrong if they go down because they had enough successes on their edge test? They were like, skip it. We need to go upstairs and figure out what's going on. Had that, <coughs> excuse me, had that role gone the opposite direction, I don't think I see a way that the three of them get out of that small enclosed room alive or free. You'd be staring down three initiative dice guys with like 25 soak and probably like 16 dice to shoot. And you have Richard without a gun. You have Michael who's sure he's magic and can try to like fireball them or something. I don't remember what a spell list was at the time, but like they're going to flashbang you. They're going to use advanced security tactics on you. Um, they just got lucky in that situation. Um, I don't think I necessarily pulled too many punches. Um, I open roll everything so they all see what's going on. There was one time in the Tactical Imperium job again where uh, Mary Sue confronts a uh, a human resources person and she lies about the guy at the coffee shop. Well, I gave the HR person bonus dice and she won that role, but she got bonus dice because she was going to go and talk to the person that Mary Sue just was like, yo, he was an asshole to get his side of the story. So it was like a teamwork test to resist it. But because she had to go have that conversation with him, the result, it wasn't like you're lying immediately. It's like, I will know when I go have that conversation that you are 100% lying. Um, so I didn't bust her immediately because that wouldn't have made sense where she got the extra dice from. Um, the bug job, they did the smart thing where they got additional support from uh, Senor Watson and they didn't try to uh, get too involved and they got a rocket launcher that goes a long way as that one it does. As one might expect. Um, they didn't even have to go in and interact with Malarius. When he was in there, Watson's people were just waiting for him to come out, and they were going to jump him when he came out after he had been identified. But then players do as players do, and they went and got involved, and they were in there having a conversation. It's like, well, shit. We were just going to bag him on the way out. Now he's in the middle of all these people. What are we going to do? We got to, uh, we got to mobilize on this. Um, which Malarius was in a fight or flight flight mood and his two backup dudes got rocket launchered. So, and my like sniper and stuff in that situation rolled like shit. If yeah. Listen, if you listen to the raw version, it's like, nope, he misses. Nope, he misses. Um, so I wouldn't say necessarily that I tried to go easy on them, but at key moments, the dice were with them or against me. All right. 
Okay, we've hit the end of the hour, but I will ask one more question. It was actually the first question I got on this list. What was your favorite thing in this entire campaign that nobody caught? Um, man, uh, there were a couple of little things like Scrapper getting stuff from Verdant Acres. Um, they eventually found out what the weird smell was at Morgana's. Um, I, I don't think I have a favorite thing that they didn't catch. Cause like, those are things that they didn't catch, but they're like not sequential things that I think the answer I have is not from the, directly from the campaign. When All right. We did, when we did the audition game, recorded it's up on the Patreon for any amount of money that you put up. Um, I did a run that I had done before where they had to go and get this corp kid off of college and bring him to California. And at the end, I revealed to them that the entire run was based off of the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air because the corp kid at college got into a fight over basketball and his rich parents decided that they didn't want him Seattle anymore and that he was going to be moving to Bel Air with his auntie and uncle. Nice. They didn't want it to make the uh a splash in the news, so they hired some deniable assets to do it on the down low. How many uh how many more you got? That's it. Like I said, we uh we hit the hour. Uh there are some questions that were here that you kind of answered during this thing. There may have been one one or two that I skipped. If so, I'm sorry to the people who asked. Uh once again, I am Oz the sound guy. I am here with Bamps, the GM for Without a Net. We just wrapped up the Shadowrun campaign. Stay tuned for the upcoming uh Call of Cthulhu mini campaign. We also have some other stuff coming down the pipe. Uh, thank you all for listening for the past 87 episodes plus bonuses. And I got a go for it. I got a quick thing because there was somebody that added uh, one of our patrons added some quick questions to the end of the thing from the other thing that we did it the uh, the cast interview one. Yes. Uh, so real quick, your opinion on group size? Five PCs sometimes feel like not everyone is getting enough screen time to focus and develop on more personal plots. Do you think to add interaction? Do you think the bleh, do you think the added interaction between the players is worth the drawback? I like five. Five's a good number because it gives you a buffer against people being sick or something like that, and it gives you a little bit of space if you want to bring in a sixth person for certain things. Uh, do you have an opinion, Oz? Five is a good number. Four is my I've I've done it with three. Three is the absolute bare minimum. Oh God, I've got to run a game. Four is great. Um, five is my five is my max. If I've got to go over that, it's gonna bog shit down. Yeah, sometimes that happens. Um, I like to say that screen time is not my problem. It is on the player sometimes to uh find moments for them to get screen time or to talk to me about things that you want to happen, and then we'll find ways to get you screen time. I like to think we did a good job of spreading it around, but obviously certain people with uh beefs with other characters for no reason uh, generate more screen time and more impactful effects. We'll agree to disagree on that last part. (laughs) 
Uh, second question they asked was, what was Mary Sue's gripe with Morgana? I think it was Mary Sue's players griping with the way I played the ladies. Uh, to Michael, and this will be something I think you have to ask him on the Discord, or I will ask him on the Discord and put it out there. Uh, actually, I think he mentioned something like this. Did it occur to you to kill or attempt to kill Chuck in the final episode? We uh, did cover that in yeah. the end of episode. Yeah. Uh, Chuck talked about throwing himself in front of the angry troll just to make something like that happen. And I believe what Michael said was if he had, if Chuck had said it outright out of character, then it would have happened. But in the heat of the moment, Michael completely forgot that that was the thing he was going to do. Uh, you know what? You, I now I remember that part of the conversation too. Um, all right, cool. We can go back to trying to close out now. <laughs> all right. Awesome. Uh, okay. So for the third time and maybe the last time, this is Oz, the sound guy signing off. Uh, Bamps, Rob, thank you for facilitating these 87 episodes. I think you've done a wonderful job. I think everybody listening would agree. If you don't come bitch at us on our discord, uh, you can find the link on the Podbean site. You can also send us angry emails at withoutanetpod at gmail.com. I'll be certain to listen to those. And stay tuned for Call of Cthulhu. We will have an Aliens one-shot coming up, which will be fun and exciting. And then once Call of Cthulhu do- is done, we should know what the next system played will be for the Without a Net podcast. Yeah, I'm thinking we'll sit down and talk about that after Aliens is all looked at sounds good well rob do you have anything else to say to the listeners tonight i have to say thank you oz for everything that it is you do and um i will have the upcoming schedule for cthulhu that we talked about the other day i'll release a separate episode that's like hey this is what's going on with the podcast because again like i've said before it's going to be the show that i would listen to so we're going to take a couple of days or a couple of weeks to get some stuff in line, build up a Cthulhu backlog so that we have that cushion to work with. Um, that is going to mean no actual play content for a couple of weeks. Um, look, October, unfortunately, look, October one or two for a, uh, an episode or not an episode, a, a drop on the podcast feed saying, what the schedule is going to be for Cthulhu and when you guys can expect that there will be continuing with the fantasy football updates. As soon as I get everybody's epilogues together, I will release those. I'll throw in a couple of NPCs in there. The ones on the top of my head, officer Morgana, Scrapper, uh, Margaret. If there's a specific NPC outside of those three that you are curious about, hit me on the discord and I'll see if I can put together some kind of idea for, um, what might happen in their future over in the epilogue. Um, October one to early October, there should be an update to the Patreon going forward. I got to talk to some people, work out some details. October should all the end of October should also be the first, uh, should be the release of the first run, the, the bike run. And I got to talk to people about how I can get that into a nice PDF form thing. I got to, develop my own style to writing modules. I've never written a module before. It's going to be weird. i got to talk to people about that. If there's something that you always find is missing from modules, email me or hit me on the Discord and let me know, and I'll see how I can figure about putting it in there, because I want these to be something that people can use and actually like 
have just about everything you need there. Obviously, I can't do everything because then I would be running the game for you. But uh, let me know what you want in the modules. I think that's it. All right. That sounds good. So uh, this is Oz and Bamps. We are signing off, and we will catch you in future releases. Thanks a lot, guys. See you guys.